0: Would you like to 10X your productivity and stop feeling so overworked and overwhelmed? Welcome to the Extreme Productivity Podcast with New York Times best-selling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Welcome back, you high achiever, you. I'm Kevin Cruz, and I'm sharing the truth bombs from my 200 plus interviews with ultra productive people like Grant Cardone, John Lee Dumas, Neil Patel, James Altucher, even Mark Cuban, and so many others. Last week, I shared why we must stamp out the evils of procrastination. I shared the four procrastination personalities. Which one are you, by the way? The postponer, the perfectionist, the punisher, or the politician? Today, I'm going to give you the cure for procrastination. So listen up, take some notes, share out the wisdom on social media, maybe. I'd appreciate that. And first, I want to send you a quick start action plan that includes an infographic on procrastination and how to cure your procrastination. It's an instant download. Just send a text message. Text the word achieve to the number 44222 or go to the website productivity-podcast.com. So I don't want to procrastinate. I want to dive right into it. We need to cure our procrastination for so many reasons, certainly to help us with, you know, just life maintenance, like getting our cars oil changed on time and, you know, getting our teeth cleaned every six months and dental hygiene is important. But I get most excited about curing procrastination around our big, hairy, audacious goals. I want you to finally write that book you've been thinking about. I want you to run that marathon you've been dreaming of. I want you to, you know, whatever, jump on Match.com and find the love of your life. Whatever big things that you've been putting off, I want you to overcome your procrastination and take action. So here's the nine steps. First step is just to recognize it what have you been procrastinating on lately are there certain things tasks activities that you always procrastinate you know identify what what are your weak spots when do you fall uh, uh, prey to this problem and the second step is to reflect why am i procrastinating you know what is it about this thing and is it just because it's boring and you'd rather be doing something more fun Or is it that you're afraid you are actually going to achieve it? And that's going to change your life in some way. And, you know, this is a challenge to your self-identity or a challenge to your, your relationship structure. You know, think about that a little bit. And third, reflect, am I overestimating the unpleasantness involved? You know, most of procrastination is behavioral. They say about 60%. You know, we think it's going to be more fun to put something off. But my own research and others show we are happier when we procrastinate less. You know, a lot of this is in our mind. Things tend to not be as painful or boring as we think they're going to be. And, and going right along with that is step four, which is just know that when you take action on it, your mood will automatically change for the better. A lot of research on this, and I've seen it myself. You know, sometimes I... Um, you know, I'm feeling the pressure to turn, uh, turn in a book manuscript and, uh, you know, maybe I've got to do a rewrite. And all the fun of the first draft is gone. Now I've just got to cut stuff out and look for grammar and typo problems. You know, it sounds kind of boring. I'd rather be off writing the next book. And I start to do that negative self-talk. But then once I dive in, you know, whether that's doing a second draft of the book or creating slides for a speech all of a sudden, I start to have some fun with it, and I come up with new material or some new research. I just feel good about improving, you know, my my work, and it isn't ever as bad as you know it, it, I thought it was going to be. Now, step five. This is a powerful one, but it's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of tricky. It has to do with rebalancing or reframing your thoughts around pain and pleasure on the activity. So let me do my best here. You know, we, we tend to, when we think about uh, an activity, uh, whether it's going to the dentist or going to the gym or whatever it is, you know, we tend to, to kind of have this mental scale, you know, what, what how much pleasure will we get out of it? How much pain are we going to get from it? And when the pain side, you know, lowers that scale, weighs more than the pleasure, then it's like, eh, I'd rather jump on Facebook than do that thing because it feels painful or boring or whatever. So a powerful technique is to reframe your pleasure and pain equation, not around doing the task, but on not doing the task. So let's do the silly example about going to the dentist. You know, normally I would think about going to the dentist. And I would say, well, look, I mean, the good thing about going to the dentist is, you know, it's good not to have cavities and my smile is going to be a little brighter. And uh, I know I should, but on the pain side, you know, it's mildly uncomfortable to get your teeth cleaned and it's taking time out of my busy week. It's going to cost me some money, you know, maybe some, a copay or whatever. And I think, eh, you know, those negatives are slightly outweighing the positives. I'll do it next week or next month. Or what are the odds I'm going to get any cavities? I'll just put it off and procrastinate it. But now imagine I reframe it and I say, well, what's the pleasure, the the benefit or the pain, the cons of not going to the dentist? Well, I can try to self-talk my way into this new framing. What's that equation look like? Well, if I don't go, it's true. It'll be more fun doing something else than going to the dentist it'll, I'll be a little more productive and it's going to save me some money. You know, if I don't go, those are all good things. But if I don't go to the dentist and I get a cavity, then that visit to fix the cavity is going to hurt so much worse down the road. And it's going to cost me so much more to fix the cavity than just the copay for the cleaning. Um, you know, and, and if I don't go for a while, And my teeth start to get a little nastier or yellower and my smile isn't so good. Like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that's my my ego and my self-image I'm attacking. So now I realize, like, yeah, you know, the benefit of not going to the dentist, it's true. I save a little time, money, productivity but the downside is a painful cavity in that chair with more money. And all. I'm not going to risk that. Let me just call the freaking dentist and make an appointment for next week and get it done. So it's about reframing around not doing an item. So step six, this is for the perfectionists out there. Plan to settle for good enough. And I know it's easier to say it than to do it, but you know, this is something like the software industry knows. You know, engineers, software engineers have this saying that shipped is better than perfect because software is never perfect. And that's why, you know, whether it's Windows on your computer, there was, you know, Windows 1.0, 2.0, all the way up to 10.0 or whatever. And incremental improvements along the way, whether it's an app, you know, your Facebook app or your your Snapchat app. I mean, there's constantly new releases. It's never perfect. It's never done. So take that mindset. And, you know, w- when I have to do that with my books, my books are never done. I mean, the, the every time they're published, I think, oh, my gosh, I now think something different than what I wrote on page 55 or I've got better material for chapter 10 or I found seven more resources for the appendix. I'm always improving things. But now I realize, like, listen, uh, uh, getting a good but not perfect out there is better than never getting a perfect book out there at all. And I think about it like software. Okay, once a year, I'm going to go through all my published books. And update them again. You know, what? what's an uh, equivalent around, um, I don't know, health? You know what? I'm not going to wait until I have the perfect plan and the perfect meal plan. And I'm not going to wait until I know I've got an hour a day for five straight days to go to the gym. I'm just going to start imperfectly. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm only going to do one or two stations in the six station circuit workout. Because that's all I got time for. That's all I can handle right now. But I'm going to start now. I'm not going to wait for perfect. And, you know, step seven, this is just fundamental. You need to learn how to take your big, hairy, audacious goals and break them down into bite sized chunks. You know, nobody knows how to write uh, an entire book. You know, uh, how do you do that? You just do it by writing a page at a time. (laughs) So you just start where you can take small actions and they will build upon uh, each other. And as we've already reviewed in this podcast, if you really want something to happen, you have to schedule it, schedule time for those items that you procrastinate on, put them as early in the day as possible. So the rest of life doesn't knock them out of that slot. And finally, step, step nine, it's kind of, um, it sounds like very Zen, but the people who consistently, all the people I've met and I've interviewed, you know, who consistently, go to the gym every day and hit their workouts who write a thousand words a day, you know, on their next book, who, whatever it is important to them, they're hitting it every single day. It becomes a habit. So they don't think about it. You don't think you do uh, Peter Bregman is an author who business author who uh, kind of instills a lot of his writing with, with wisdom and advice, you know, more from, from Eastern practices and philosophies. And, you know, he talks about rituals and habits You know, you don't think about brushing your teeth in the morning or brushing your teeth before you go to bed at night. It's just part of your routine. There's no thought about it. Like, what's the pro and con of brushing my teeth? And, you know, I think I'm going to check Facebook for a while and not brush my teeth. You just do it. So that's the other thing. Once you commit to something... Don't think about it. You just roll out of bed. You're stepping on your shorts and your shirt and your sneakers. You slip them on. And before you even wake up, you're out the door and fast walking around the block, which turns into a jog. You're not thinking. You just do. So practically speaking, what does this mean to you? How do you cure procrastination? Um, Listen, whether it's the small stuff or the big stuff, just say, what am I procrastinating on and why? Why? Am I overestimating how bad, boring, or tough it's going to be? And once I start, it's probably going to feel a lot better. I might actually like it a little bit. And I'm going to reframe. I'm going to realize all the negatives of not doing the task. That's what I'm going to do is reframe it. And I won't be a perfectionist. I'm going to make sure I just take small steps, even if they're imperfect. I'm going to settle for good enough. Take my big projects, break them down, put it on my calendar, and I'm just going to do it and not think about it. Some people swear by uh, self-talk and giving themselves an anti-procrastination mantra. Uh, I know a lot of people that take that Nike slogan, just do it. The author of Miracle Morning, Hal Elrod uh, once wrote that he tells himself, if I do it, it will be done. If I do it, it will be done. And that's going to feel fantastic. Just get it over with. I like to say, I like to remind myself, I am worse off when I put off. (laughs) I am worse off when I put it off. And that's what the research shows. We think we're going to be happier sitting on the couch, you know, surfing channels instead of working on that report or whatever it is that we don't want to do. The reality is we are happier when we just do it and get it done. Okay. Okay. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Extreme Productivity Podcast. Remember, download the Procrastination Cure infographic. So You're going to have a handy cheat sheet from the last two episodes. Just to uh, to get it, text the word ACHIEVE to 44222 or go to the website extreme-productivity.com. And by the way, did you know that President George Bush used to read 95 books a year while he was president? how do you find the time to do that? And and how can his time management secret help you to make it home for dinner? We'll cover that in the next episode. Until then, remember, master your minutes to master your life. Hey, if you like this podcast, you're going to love the LeadX Academy at leadx.org. If you didn't know, LeadX is actually my company, and we have dozens of video-based courses that are designed to help you to achieve your full potential. And I personally teach you courses via video, like how to cure procrastination, how to stop time thieves, how to cut your email inbox traffic in half, how to get to inbox zero with the 4D habit, how to minimize your meeting time and how to maximize your focus and energy and so much more. And every month we're adding new courses, new webinars and new resources. You could check it all out, no cost. There's a free trial at leadx.org. Until next week, remember, we all have the same 1,440 minutes a day. Master your minutes to master your life.